for the last few days, you've been listening to a science documentary. It's been uploaded by Dr. Ben Makin, and it's called Life, What on Earth Is It? And Dr. Ben has been speaking to experts, including those at the University of Derby, to discover the secret to life on Earth and whether it also exists in other parts of the universe. It's been fascinating. Now, in this final part of the documentary, it's time to pick up again with Dr. Raphael Hayward. She's been explaining how you can analyse the light of stars. Probably you need to be a scientist with a big telescope. You can analyse the, the light of stars to determine the nature of its orbiting planets. And that involves overcoming all sorts of um, problems, like, for example, the blurring effect that the Earth's atmosphere can have on readings that the telescope can pick up from different worlds. This is something Dr. Ben is keen to explore a little further. So presumably once you sort, sort of start to get a handle on that and you can start to build sort of... What would you do? Could you kind of build sort of um, models that sort of account for that and then with the data you have you can sort of remove the noise almost? Is that yeah. sort of the goal? That's the idea, absolutely. And we can do that. Um, actually, I've been working quite a bit. Part of my PhD was on this. Um, you can you can look at our own sun because uh, the sun is the only star um, that you can resolve at high spatial resolution. You know, you can see the features on it. And at the same time, what we've been doing, uh, the collaboration that I'm part of, uh, we've been observing the sun as if it were a distant star. And we've been observing it with the same instrument, the same spectrograph that we use to hunt for planets. So we do a lot of, uh, this is the Harps North collaboration, uh, the high accuracy radio velocity planet searcher in the Northern Hemisphere. And it's this uh, instrument on this telescope in La Palma in Spain. And it's been, we built it to follow up uh, planet candidates that were discovered originally by the Kepler mission back in the 2010s. And since then, uh, you know, we had Kepler and now we've got, uh, then Kepler broke and it became K2. And now there is the TESS mission that's finding a lot of planets in our celestial neighbourhood, as in around the brightest stars in our neighbourhood. So multiple ongoing projects seek to further characterise and find exoplanets, uh, particularly those that could be Earth-like and therefore could potentially harbour life. And that's where you come in. Dr Haywood told me about initiatives that mean everybody can get involved in the search for exoplanets. You can become an exoplanet hunter yourself. Uh, now we're talking. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I think it's led by Oxford. There is a um, website that has been built uh, by astronomers, astrophysicists, and, and of course uh, people who know how to build slick websites. And uh, you, they've basically dumped all the data from, from Kepler, and I'm pretty sure there's test data on there as well, and K2. All this data is publicly available uh, from NASA. And, and on this website, they've put the reduced data, and basically you can, you can go yourself and they train you on how to eyeball these light curves. So the TESS and Kepler missions, they look for transits. So they look at, for little dips in lights, periodic dips, in, in the brightness of the star as the planet goes around the star and and they train you and, and then you can go out and, and eyeball you know however many light curves you want to eyeball uh, you, you want to take regular breaks <laughs> <laughs> 
That sounds like some experience. <laughs> yes, yes. I, I'm pretty sure some of my eyesight prescription came from uh, after a session of eyeballing, an intense weekend session. But yeah, and you you can basically you know it will show you that what the algorithm thinks are transits, but you have to look at it uh, and. And you can say, you know, what you think it is. And this is incredibly useful because the fact is that we're getting so much data. We're talking about hundreds of thousands of light curves, millions of light curves, millions of potential transit events. And AI is not able to say for sure what it is, you know, and and only a human eye can do that. A human eye and a human brain, the two connected so so actually there are um there have been several discoveries of planets like this uh, you know planets being confirmed by teams of citizens and and people have published papers with astronomers and and it's and and often they're actually really interesting planetary systems because there's stuff that you know the the algorithm hasn't picked up and and it's you know not going to be something super obvious because the super obvious stuff gets picked up often by the astronomers themselves. Uh, but yeah, I mean we need people to to eyeball these light curves. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I mean, to, to me that comes right back to something you were saying a bit earlier actually about you know one of the key hurdles that we need to get through is actually just it's just brain space and brain power, and actually that comes back to that a bit to me in terms of. Yeah you know, to make these next steps, it all sounds, you know, really fabulous, but actually, it sounds like we've just got to do the work, actually, we've got the data, just need to do the work, and anyone who's available to help do that, then brilliant, we can all mm-hmm. sort of be involved together, which is awesome. So returning to a key point raised by Dr. Haywards to close this section of the programme, she told us that there is not likely to be another Earth or another planet out there that is very similar to Earth. She explains more about this in some published work. If you're keen to find out more about why there is no planet B, um, my collaborator and I, uh, my collaborator Arwen Nicholson, who's a postdoc here in astrophysics at Exeter as well, uh, we recently published a piece called There Is No Planet B in Aeon. Uh, which, if you're going to read it, <laughs> I recommend it, and I really recommend that you read the comments as well and leave a comment because the clearly this is a, a topic that you know really um, it struck a nerve. People have very strong feelings about it, so I'd love to hear how you know how you feel about it as well and continue the discussion on it. But we still know so little about our, our life on Earth. Uh, we know very little about life in the deep, and obviously we know even less about life up in space. The more I find out about these planets, we're always striving to find ones that are going to be more similar to Earth. And the more I look, the more I realize, like, actually, no, we're not going to find something that's like Earth. Well, thank you very much to the special guests who contributed to this programme. Thank you to the University of Exeter's Professor Sasha Dahl and Professor David Hoskin. Thank you very much to the University of Derby's Professor Michael Sweet. And thank you to the University of Exeter's Dr Raphael Haywood. You also heard some music produced by yours truly and also a fantastic track earlier on by Dave Buckley and The Watchwood. That's called Still She Sleeps. Hope you enjoyed the programme. Goodbye for now.